0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Steve Hirschfeld. Today's a special day because it's Tuesday. And on Tuesdays, we do what's called Travel Tuesday, where each week we get a chance to dial in one of our members from around the world to give us a little bit of insight on what it's like to do business in their jurisdiction. And today, We'll be learning more about doing business in the state of Kentucky. So I'm pleased to welcome to the show, Josh Salisbury, who's a partner at Virgil, Turner, Barker, and Maloney in Kentucky. Hey, Josh, how are you today?
1: Hi, Steve. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to see you. So look, I would guess that most people in the world know Kentucky because of bourbon, absolutely, and horses, the Kentucky Derby. I'm guessing there's more to it than that.
1: Would I be right? There's a lot more to it than that. And don't get me wrong. It's nothing nothing wrong with being known for our bourbon. Last year was a record year for that industry alone. We brought in more than $9 billion to the economy with that industry, 22,000 jobs through distilling and tourism for bourbon. So it's not a mistake to associate Kentucky with bourbon. And that's a good thing. But there is a lot more to it. We have agri-tech business, a lot of automotive activity. I think what would surprise a lot of folks is we have a large and booming aerospace industry in Kentucky. So tell us a little bit more about that.
0: And how did it end up in Kentucky, of all places?
1: <laughs> Kentucky, you know, it's, it goes all the way down to just the educational foundation, even. You have universities like Moorhead State University that have contracts with NASA that deal in the aerospace industry. And from there, we have folks who are manufacturing, as you would expect, parts, pieces, and whatnot to serve the industry. So no, we are not launching flights out of Kentucky, but we are serving the industry through manufacturing and, and whatnot. So if
0: I was a company outside the U.S. and was looking at some different places to consider opening a plant
1: or buying a business, what do you think I'd want to know about your state? Well, I think you'd want to know, first and foremost, what a lot of employers want to know is, is your state is Kentucky a quote-unquote business-friendly state? I think that's fair to say that they are. We have very strong at-will law that has not been altered that much through various legislation. We have right-to-work laws. We have tax incentives. We only have one city in the entire Commonwealth that has its own ban the box ordinances, if you will, on background checks for employees. And that's in Louisville. So I think most folks would consider and we would consider Kentucky to be a very pro business state. And so that's something I think folks would want to know. I think it'd be also important to know that Kentucky has a lot of reach outside of the Commonwealth. We're home to more than 700 international companies. The legal immigrant population has tripled since 1990 in Kentucky. We are growing with a lot of outside influence. And we've got two major universities along with a lot of state universities, but two major universities are heavy in research and healthcare. And that also contributes to a lot of international contacts and whatnot. And there's a lot of support for obtaining visas because of those international influences there. So I think that's something that's worth knowing. And I think it's worth knowing that you've got at least three cities within the Commonwealth, and really four if you consider the Northern Kentucky region outside of Cincinnati, that are very heavy to industry. Automotive industry is significant in Kentucky. Many people may not know that Kentucky is the home and manufacturer of the Corvette, and as well as heavy on other manufacturers such as Toyota. So there's a lot of things going on. I think people haven't come to associate Kentucky with the show. There's a lot of opportunity here for folks who are looking to do business in Kentucky.
0: So, you know, you mentioned
1: right to work state and that's yes. something outside the U.S.
0: people don't know much about. Can you just briefly explain what that is and are unions a big deal
1: in Kentucky? Unions are a big deal in terms of private employment. In the public sector, of course, it's not an issue. But I will say this, that said, we're not really a union heavy state, you know, notwithstanding the fact that you certainly have that there with the auto industry. If I recall right, I don't think Toyota is a unionized company, but other manufacturers such as GM and Ford certainly are union outfits. And so there is that union presence there. But of course, the right to work legislation is, even for Kentucky, it's fairly new, I'd say within the last five to seven years, which of course keeps the employers and the unions from requiring that membership and participation in in the unions. But I would not, just my own thoughts on it, I would not associate the right to work legislation as a contribution to or a causation of low union activity. It's just never been heavy in terms of union activity outside of the major industries that you would normally associate with union activity.
0: So, you know, during COVID, particularly, you know, I'm based here in San Francisco, sort of the tech capital of the world, we had a lot of folks leave and become like digital nomads, right? Move to areas that are a little more family-friendly, less expensive. Do you, have you seen much of that? Have you gotten many folks that have sort of ended up in Kentucky during the pandemic?
1: You know, I have family who have decided to move to Kentucky when they figured out over the pandemic that they that they could do their jobs with, and California's lost, I'm afraid, do them in Kentucky instead of California where they were living. So, you know, it's a personal experience, but I do see also that shift. With our employers, you have a lot more folks looking to do their work virtually, either within the state and in some cases outside of the state. That said, it's not been a heavy topic in terms of crossing state lines to do work. Usually we're just more dealing with the issue of can you work from home within the Commonwealth there? So we haven't had to contend a lot with folks working virtually outside of state lines in there.
0: So let me ask you one question about that, because as I'm sure you know, in California,
1: except in rare
0: situations, we don't allow non-competes. So does Kentucky allow
1: non-competes? Are there any restrictions on that? Kentucky does allow non-competes. There's no legislation restricting the use of non-competes. It's really borne out through case law. So Kentucky, you know, looks at the usual elements that I think a lot of states are familiar with when you're looking at a non-compete. Is it reasonable in geographic scope? Is it reasonable in time limit? Is it appropriate for the profession, you know, where you would expect competition to be a high degree of things? Kentucky also adopts, through its case law, the blue pencil doctrine that allows our courts to tinker with non-compete agreements if they think they've gone too far in an effort to try and preserve non-compete. So to answer your question, non-competes are still alive and well in Kentucky. There does have to be consideration, of course, to support the non-competes, but that can be in Kentucky something that is provided through some initial, either some initial payment or some continuing work along with some additional whistles and bells. You get a promotion or something like that to support the non-compete. But they're here, they're alive, they're well, and the General Assembly is not fooling with them.
0: Look, before we wrap things up, you know, you're a very experienced labor employment lawyer. I also know you do a heck of a lot of work in the higher education space. What's keeping your clients up at night right now?
1: Oh, there's a long list, I'm sure, of things that are keeping our clients up at night. But our clients are dealing a lot with, you know, accommodating worker needs and preferences. We talked about work at home a lot lately, but also in the broader scope of accommodating individual needs, such, such as disability accommodations, such as pregnancy accommodations. Kentucky recently, in the last few years, adopted state legislation specific to pregnancy discrimination, which did not really change the landscape as far as those who are familiar with what federal law already does, but it really kind of helped bring it to the forefront. And so I think that is working and weighing on their minds as well. And employee privacy continues to be an issue and you know, and the reaches to which employers can and should be involved in their employees' personal lives and how that crosses over. And of course, that's a tough one that that line can sometimes blur the more that folks work from home, work around strange hours and whatnot. And managing those privacy expectations through policy and whatnot. Well,
0: Josh, this has been great, really great seeing you and connecting with you. Folks, if you want to learn more about Josh or get a connection to him, it's very easy to do. You'll see his bio. You can just click on that, which is by his name in the description of this podcast. I encourage all of our listeners to visit ELA.law to receive invitations for our upcoming webinars, to download white papers, and maybe most importantly, to access our free online compliance platform called the Global Employer Handbook, which is a 50-state, 100-country compliance document on hiring and firing worldwide. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Steve Hirschfeld. Thanks for listening.